Today, Spro and Lee bring you an interview with film, television, and theater actress Morgana O'Reilly. O'Reilly's recent credits include the lovable single-camera comedy Mean Mums, available on Amazon Prime, and the Emmy Award-winning Inside, which she co-created with her husband Peter Salmon. Most recently, she's been out touring her one-woman show, Stories About My Body, but today, Morgana put her life on hold to talk with Spro and I about horror movies, the Oscars, filmmaking in New Zealand, and most of all, her 2014 horror comedy, Housebound. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness. Indeed. Hi. How's about that? We're finally doing it. Yeah, I'm sure you're (laughs) happy that you're not going to see 47 emails from me anymore. (laughs) Oh, I know. I'm going to miss it. What's life going to be like? (laughs) It sounds like we don't have too much of a delay, which is nice, being as you're quite a ways ways away from us. Where are you guys? Where where in the world are you? I Well, we're both from Ohio originally. He still lives there. I got out and moved to the desert. Oh, cool. You are in... The, are you in North or South Island? North Island, yeah, the okay. top of the North Island, pretty much the top. It's the biggest city in New Zealand, which is a whopping f- one million people. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to ask you about New Zealand and the New Zealand film industry, but it's uh, you know everything everything I know about the New Zealand film industry I learned from Peter Jackson and the <laughs> special features on the Lord of the Rings movies. So, oh, great. <laughs> 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 so if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't know that there was a North and a South Island. So I had once I was working in a coffee shop in New York and I quite, I would quite often get asked about my accent. And one guy was like, oh my gosh, I love your accent. Where are you from? And I was like, I'm from New Zealand. And he was like, oh, I've always wanted to go to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> cool. too, bad he wasn't, too bad he wasn't kidding. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but we are grateful that you carved out a little time for a couple of mediocre dudes with a podcast. Hey, Thanks a lot. Hey, hey, don't talk about yourselves like that. Uh-huh. It's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> I'm glad we made this work. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> All right, let's just do some warm-up questions just to get loose. Yeses or nos or any kind of elaboration you want to provide is fine by me. Do you now or have you ever watched the Oscars telecast? Uh, you mean like live Oscars? Yeah. I, yeah, maybe once. Maybe once. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not against it, but I just sort of don't care. Care? Too much. Yeah. I'm getting that I'm getting that vibe from people all around the world talk to some folks in Europe too and and they're like yeah it, some people watch it but they're too embarrassed to talk about that they watched oh, it. Oh <laughs> right. And it's also at a very strange time of day here so like some people take time off work to like have a little Oscars party and watch it. I think if I got invited to one of those parties I'd be like oh, fuck if I got invited to any party I'm there you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. So I guess that answers my next question, which is, have you ever daydreamed about winning an Oscar? Oh, fuck yes. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> oh, okay. totally. You mean if I was in the Oscars, absolutely I'd be watching this. <laughs> what was the last movie, old or new, that you saw that just knocked you on your ass? Oh, shit. Well, actually, I just watched that film, uh, The Worst Person Ever. Is that what it was called? Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. I don't know if it knocked me on my ass, though. Uh, actually, yeah. I feel like Midsommar actually knocked me on my ass quite hardcore. Uh, 
and I only just wa- <laughs> oh no you hated it no it's no, I, I, I'm I'm afraid of it because Hereditary <laughs> fucked me up so bad oh right oh I haven't seen Hereditary um oh but- god. Normally, I like to have a post cup of coffee and talk about a movie with some friends. But oh. after Hereditary, we were doing that. And I was like, can we let's let's change the subject. I don't <laughs> getting anxiety thinking about this. Yes. Also, oh, my gosh. Have you seen Border? That will fuck you up. That, where did you see that? I don't ask questions about where the files come from anymore. <laughs> oh, I got you. I got you. Do you know what I mean? Wink, wink. It's where is it from? It's like uh, uh, Swedish. Swedish, yeah. And I won't tell you anything more about it. Just watch okay. it. It is that so weird, good. but it's so brilliant. It's But it's very strange. So if okay. you're not up for a strange film, don't go there. But holy shit. I think the last one that knocked me on my ass was a New Zealand film called Coming Home in the Dark. Oh, I haven't seen that yet, but my friend's in it. And I know the director as well. I know a lot of people involved in that film. That, I heard I mean, it's really, really violent. Oh, it's it's a tough hang. <laughs> She's a very good friend of mine, who Midiama McDowell, who's in the film. Our other friend, Kitty, was saying the other day how she had watched it. And she was like, why am I watching this? Why am I watching yeah. this happen to my friend? <laughs> So, yes, she must play the. Well, there's really only one the female lead. lead. Yeah, 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 she's the lead actress. <laughs> right. I need to see that. Okay, is New Zealand film like? Is it like a small community? We're not small, but like, does everybody kind of know each other working on projects? Yeah, there's a very little degree of separation. To be honest, across the whole country, whether you're in the film industry or not, <laughs> but yeah, that sounds nice. Y- yeah. So it's nice to be able to go, you know, like like my niece is always like, who's the most famous person you've ever met? And you go, oh. <laughs> well, I know Taika Waititi, and that's pretty cool now. He's really fucking famous. <laughs> yeah, he but is. But that's just he's because he's part of the New Zealand film industry. So it's like, yeah, of course, we all know him. So, yeah. Did you see anything that has been nominated for an Oscar this year, like West Side Story or King Richard? Or I guess you you did see The Worst Person in the World. Is that up for best um, original screenplay? It I think it be, is. Yeah. What is he? What are what are up for the nominations this year? I'm you've, a little bit. You've bad. got Kenneth Branagh's Belfast, his little Roma exercise. King Richard, Spencer, the Pablo Lorraine film with Kristen Stewart playing Princess Diana. Oh. Um, God, I'm blanking. Spro, help me here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look up. Oh which yeah. Is the oh yeah, I saw that. Power of the Dog is supposed to win, and Campion um, is pretty much a shoe in for best director. Yeah. Right. Cool. I haven't seen that yet. Damn it. I'm a, look, I'm going to admit I'm pretty slack with watching movies. I've got two small children. I blame I blame fatigue. But my husband is a filmmaker and is always like, come on, we've got to watch a movie. And I was like, yeah, but we're also in the middle of watching Station Eleven. Maybe we could just watch another episode of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or re- re-watching the same shit over and over again. You're like, oh, I'd rather just luxuriate in this old show I've I watched really, a thousand times. I, I love TV. Like, I love the... I love the revolution of television at the moment and I'm not one to blank out on reality shows as far as I go as RuPaul's Drag Race because that is my sport that I follow. <laughs> so like, I'm not like watching Love Island or something like that, but I, I really love television. And um, so I'm a bit slack with watching feature films at the right moment. On. Most people are. Maybe do you think there is like a interesting kind of shift in the way that we digest feature films? I know in America, the funding for feature films is private, but here and in a lot of places around the world where you have government funding to make feature films, you still have to have, to apply for funding to make a feature film, you have to have a theatrical release 
you have to have a distributor who will do a theatrical release at some point. I kind of feel like with COVID, but also with all the streaming platforms and stuff at the moment, like unless it's a Marvel film or something, you, you don't necessarily want to go to a movie theater and watch it. Like, does it still, is it still allowed to be a film if you can't, if it doesn't get released in a movie theater to begin with? Do you know what well, I mean? Steven, Steven Spielberg would say no. I know, right. And dude, like, come on. I feel like. <laughs> well, and then he cut a deal with age, Netflix. Yeah. That is something that we, we have talked about on this show. Just like, oh, right. you know, the future of the of theaters versus, I mean, mm. I, yeah, I like staying at home. I like going to the theater, but I, I do like staying home. I know, But there's right? like a sense of community to the theater. Like, yeah. you know, sure. you, you enjoy I it guess- with strangers. But what if the theater was holding certain artists back from telling certain stories because their film just isn't the kind of film that you'd spend money to go to the theater to watch? Totally. It's that's that's the story of the Oscar nominations by and large too. Most right. years it's like these movies that people are like, I didn't see that. I'm waiting for it to, you know, everybody saw Nomadland because it was on Hulu almost immediately. That's right. But- but, yeah, yeah, and that's a perfect film to watch at home. Like, totally. I, th- that's the kind of film that you go, oh, I'd go to the movie theater, and then some asshole sitting behind you crumpling some fucking mm. rapper, and you're like, well, that moment was lost, that long, <laughs> long, luxurious, slow, isolated <laughs> moment <laughs> was yes. ruined by somebody, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's my big reason for not going. I fucking get I, I'll throw down with somebody that thinks that they're in their living room and can just, you know, it's so irritating. Yeah. Yeah. How genius is popcorn that it's like a crunchy snack that is not allowed to eat. (laughs) Perfect. I marvel at that a lot (laughs) as far as a movie theater snack goes. Anyway, sorry, I digress. You said yes or no answers. And I'm like, well, that's hard for me. That's fine. I like it. I like talking. (laughs) I like Money isn't real. Uh, yeah, okay, I see the point you're making there, but like comparatively, it's probably family isn't real. What we said, family's not real. What is happiness? It's when you're just really, really glad. What is love? When you want to bone your bestie. Yeah, well, what is fulfillment? Yeah, you know, you got me there. How about. <laughs> like most like most unfunny people, I think I'm funny, which means that I'm kind of quietly jealous of people like you that have undeniable comedy chops. Your delivery, your timing, your range of facial wow. expressions are so fucking funny. I just want to know, is, is funny something that comes naturally to you or have you like honed your funny bone? Oh my gosh. That's a really interesting question because I think that, I like, I think comedy 
is I think it's natural. I definitely have figured out some things maybe just about the technique of timing and things like that, but I just genuinely like to make people laugh. My dad's quite a funny person, so I think that was sort of passed through. There's a lot of funny in my family. We could go back to the beginning. How did you get into acting? Well, my mother was a dancer, a choreographer. She's a choreographer. And my father, he was a graphic designer growing up, but he's really got the gift of the gab. He's a great writer. He's really loud and bolshy and funny. And so I often say that I got my mother's love of performing and my father's love of talking. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that kind of merged together, those characteristics, I reckon. And But before I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to live in a house truck <laughs> and travel around. I just wanted to travel, to travel everywhere and be a weirdo. And then I was in high school and I got into a youth theatre company and there were some like older kids in there who took it really seriously which kind of took any shame away from going deep into character you know when you're in high school drama class everybody just giggles the whole time it was quite serious and I loved that I just loved it and also because in acting there's no right or wrong way it's just whatever works for you which really works for me that kind of way of thinking so once I found that I think there was no other question I dabbled with the idea of being a chef for a little while but then I realized I didn't want to make food for people I didn't know but um (laughs) just churning out food but um yeah so I think that's the long and short of it we're going to talk about comedy I do want to give a quick mention to Mean Mums which uh, we can get on Amazon Prime here in the States it's on Tubi and Peacock and I really recommend it to anybody listening it's smart it's very funny and it's got a lot of heart which really is nice very nice Welcome, new parents. I'm the principal, Mr. Coxie. Good morning, Mr. Coxie. It's confusing. (laughs) Most five-year-olds seem to manage. (laughs) Very intense about parenting. She doesn't like me very much. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm so glad he's got a male teacher. Are you saying women can't be good teachers? No. Women can do anything, except get equal pay. And not good at mum jeans. Does everybody just have an absolute blast making that show? Because it totally vibes that way. Yeah, it is really fun. It's really fun and funny. It's very fast. Like in a perfect world, I think we'd have a little bit more time to shoot it and to mess around. But I love those two. My two other leading ladies, Anna Julian and Aroha Rawson, are just awesome. So yeah, it's great. So do you and and Anna and Aroha? Aroha, well done, yes. Do do you guys get to shape your characters, the personalities and the arcs at all, or is it mostly on the page? I find that the energy is so clear on the page. And... That's Amanda Allison's writing. She writes all of those friggin' by herself. Like, you know, it's not like that kind of show in the States, which would have a team of writers. She does that all. So I feel like it's really there on the page. One other question was, I saw somewhere that season three is was promised for 2021. Mm. Is, that still, is that still coming, maybe? I hope so. It's all finished and locked off. And I think that'll be going to air soon. I have been holding myself off from bugging them about it because I know that the network that it goes on to here first up is come under new ownership. So I don't know what their vision is. I just kind of shoot it and then forget about it. And then it all of a sudden is on TV. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the show then. Yeah. 
Speaking of mums, you're clearly enjoying motherhood from your Instagram. And by the way, by the way, for anybody who is on Insta and is looking for a, um, a funny follow, Morgana has got jokes for days on there. <laughs> so, so we don't have kids, but do you have, would, would you give a, a parenthood pitch to somebody that doesn't have kids? Oh, like sell you on becoming a parent? Mm -hmm, If mm -hmm. you were, to to be honest, if you're questioning, (laughs) I'm not sure, I would say maybe don't. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've gone down the wrong path if if we think every single person on the planet needs to get couple up and have babies. I just don't think that's. That's what we're supposed to do. I think there is a very underrated and under-celebrated role of the auntie and the uncle. They don't have to be blood-related. Just adult relationship with your friend's kids it means the world. And you all, I think everybody, most people can think back to an adult relationship that they had growing up with. Maybe it was a friend's parent or an auntie or an uncle that meant a lot and did something for them that a parent couldn't do. So that's what I believe. Bro and Lee should not procreate. I'm writing that down. Well, Definitely not together, you... buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but also, I think if you were, that's also a beautiful thing about same-sex couples. They can, mm-hmm. they can adopt and things. Like, we're not all supposed to go out and have babies. There's not enough resources. Like, let's help each other have babies. I think that's the moral of my story. It takes a fucking village. And if we're all busy with our own kids, then it's just extra hard. If you want kids, have the kids but if you're questioning it then maybe you don't know (laughs) okay (laughs) it's so magical (laughs) Um. hey how's Dave Dave's he's great but he had out once kids Yeah, I mean, sure, it's cute and everything, but just between you and me, I don't think I can do it. Really? Yeah, like, I am just getting to the place in my career that I've always wanted, but I'm, like, not quite there yet, you know? Oh, well, you know, I mean, a kid just pauses things. Mm-hmm. And you can go to go months on end without being employed and then realise, oh, I could have totally had a kid in that time. No, but I just feel like it would stop everything. You know, we are getting old in actress years and I just really need this to happen. I can't spell. There is literally nothing else I can do. Oh. But you know, a baby puts things into perspective. I mean, you know, like this this acting biz, you know, you wouldn't sweat the small stuff so much. Yeah, but not just work, like life, you know? I mean, I like to go out in the evenings when I want to or just, you know, be creative whenever I want to, or exercise whenever I want to, or like write a poem whenever I want to, or craft pottery whenever I want to. And like, it'd be like I'd have this tiny little thing that we made, but it like crushed my dreams. Or like, sometimes maybe even my will to live. I just think it would suck, you know? Uh, some of our listeners 
might not know, and I'm not quite sure on how New Zealand works, but in America, film life, set life, you never know when you're going to be wrapping up for the day. Like it's, right. it could be an 18 hour slog. Like how do you manage, I guess, because you're also married to a filmmaker. How do you guys see like the juggle of the personal life versus with the professional life? Great question. We're still figuring that out in a way. And because because we're contract workers, essentially, it's still fairly unpredictable how much work you're going to get in a year. And especially for him, because he's a director. So like, whereas I do a job, something like Mean Mums, like I'm on the whole time, but then other things I might have a bit more downtime. Whereas he, when he works, is just on. And then he comes home and he preps for the next day. You can physically only really do three-ish jobs a year. Otherwise, it would actually kill you. <laughs> um, and then if you're, if you're doing it like that, then maybe it's okay. You know, you have a couple of months off between each. That's kind of what you're in it for. <laughs> the time off. Yeah. How, did e- every guys- job is different, to be honest. And every job brings, and from my side of things, a different character, a different dynamic, which, you know, you try to keep out of your personal life, but kind of weirdly bleeds through. So some you just want to be cocooned away from your family and be like, don't talk to me, don't look at me. Um, and so you just got to keep it fluid. I think so, eh? Yeah, it's just so hard to predict. And I think also the minute you try and predict and you go, okay, I think we've got a really good rhythm going here. The next one will be different and, and it'll fuck you up or it'll be way easier. And yeah. Did you and uh, Peter meet on set? No, it, we met in New York, actually. It's funny because you said, you know, does everybody in the New Zealand film industry know each other? And we do kind of, but the crazy thing is that we're both in the same industry, but we had never met until in New York City. I was there at the end of a big world travel trip, staying on a friend's floor. And he had come through with some friends after he'd finished a job in New Zealand, went for a bit of a travel with some friends. So we both met in New York and kind of got to fall in love there, which is an insanely romantic place to fall in love. Came home and have been together ever since. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna jump I'm gonna jump on this segue, bro, because you're talking about husbands, directors. I, I gotta talk about inside, which I'm yeah. willing to bet most of our listeners have never heard of. This is an Emmy Award winning limited series that you made together with your husband, director yeah. Peter Sanders. And I just got done watching episodes one, two, and three, and God damn it. I want to know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so up my street. In short, what would you say this show means to you? Like what it's about? Um, Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you're the, it's it's your guys' brainchild. Yeah, well, I mean, it was. Pete and um, his company, they've got a new production company called Luminous Beast, which at the start of the pandemic, a funding round was put out, like a fast response one in reaction to the lockdown. It was kind of their their idea. They were like, you're going to play the lead. And I was like, well, that's because there's no other actors around, but thanks. (laughs) I'm the only other actor in the house. So I got, I didn't have to audition against any other bitches. (laughs) Joking. Basically, it's about a weird, very shy, reclusive germaphobe called Rose, who is in lockdown along with the rest of the world, but sort of finds her want and need for human connection during this time. She works as a coder for a new video chat app like Zoom. Remember when Zoom really took off at the start? And then there was that whole controversy about people doing Zoom bombing, like people possibly (laughs) watching your calls. So Rose does that with on the video chat app that she works for called Bunny. She 
watches people's phone conversations and it kind of yeah but there's a thriller element to it which is really great drives the story through and maybe a speck a little sprinkle of a supernatural something would that Uh, describe it do you think yeah oh yeah totally without you know going too deep stay home and stay connected as the new wave of COVID-19 continues to grip New Zealand Hello, you've got through to Bunny technical support. We strive for real connection. We're speaking with Rose. You are all officially working for the fastest growing video chat app in the world. <laughs> and we are going to be getting the whole world bunny hopping. <laughs> but not bunny bombing, remember? It's illegal and technically impossible. I love you. The idea was some tribes, I beg your pardon, had, oh my God. <laughs> Hi, look, your app's not working properly. Bunny username? Yeah, Sam James. Sam. Smudgy? It is smudgy, isn't it? What we did to you that day, it's kind of haunted me. I'm so sorry, Rose. I hear that your flatmate has boundary issues. <laughs> Cough sounds dry. Well, I mean, you're just so good. You know, like, how are you not going crazy? I do this thing in lockdown, but it's kind of bad, though. You had a sister, eh? She died. Amazing. That was an anime. I think that there's something wrong with me. Look, this glitch, it has to be handled very, very carefully. Don't go help me. Ah, <gasps> uh, fuck. Do you like erotic stories? You're both horny. I understand. I'm horny too. <laughs> You're a murderer. Stay inside with me. I I really like this short form. And I think if you mash them all together, it's kind of like a a serial film. It's a film in... Totally. Yeah, Yeah, we've been trying to think if we can just smush it together. It's a feature-length film. And whether that would... How that would feel rhythmically, would would you even notice? I don't know. I think it's probably stitched together quite well. I really like the... Because I think the longest episode's only about 17 minutes. And what I often say to, especially parents, <laughs> is, you know, like at the end of the day when you're... When you really just want to sit down and watch something, you do not have it in you to watch a feature film. You barely have it in you to watch an hour-long episode of you, but you're feeling way too emo to watch a comedy. <laughs> then I feel like Inside is a great thing because it's like usually those short forms are comedy so it's nice to have one that's a bit like weird and twisted but short you said that you're the television the tevolution oh boy you said that the television revolution is (laughs) that you're in love with it so i'll be the contrarian grumpy old man who does kind of does kind of prefer the one and done that cinema can provide but i think inside it kind of scratches both itches for me and i i wonder i know that there was a i don't know if it was a canadian or an american company quibi like right around the beginning of the pandemic this this Mm. company was just pushing themselves and it was called quibi and it was a streaming service that that was their whole game they're like let's do 10 minute episodes Uh, i think there was a remake of the fugitive with Kiefer sutherland um it didn't take off but i i'm convinced that it's a good idea do you think that there's a future and maybe delivering content in quick bursts like like inside yeah i think it's just another medium perhaps you know 
another style of storytelling, which fucking why not? Let's explore it. Like, I understand wanting to be a traditionalist, but also I think it's sort of like the people that bemoan the death of spelling or language. And it's like, no, it's just all an evolution. It's all right because it's all about communicating to one another and reflecting our world through narrative. Fuck it, whatever it takes. We see kids today with like the TikTok and you know, that the max there is well, three minutes. The TikTok. Right. You know what the I TikTok. was gonna say actually, like on, on the TikToks is, is very interesting <laughs> on the lines and on the app application on my phone of the TikToks. Um, <laughs> is, I've, I've, like right when you start watching that, there's a whole nother, at first it feels daunting, but then actually the more you watch it, it's a very same rhythm and technique all those trends you know it's it's just another medium and another style unto itself yeah Quibi was such a horrible name like you say that Quibi, is a bad name <laughs> and is. the marketing was just as terrible like people would be like do you have a quibby i have a quibby like nobody understood what the hell it, was <laughs> it, was, so so it, like... it could be like a financial advice kind of <laughs> i feel like that's what it sounds like to me like uh, a <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> yeah we should engage the future of shorts based off of quibby <laughs> <It's like, laughs> all right <laughs> was it based in Quebec? I, for some reason, I think it was a Canadian company. Maybe it was the Sutherland's involvement in it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So currently, 9,199 episodes of Neighbors is out there. It streams in countries all across the world yet we can't get it in the states can you <laughs> um, i thought it was on hulu oh maybe not it's even unavailable on amazon which is kind of like our over- overlords right now so yeah, right <laughs> i was able to read plot summaries on how your character came to an end on that show but oh. can you explain it yeah. because i think i'm just really blonde and not understanding how i i don't understand how you left <laughs> No, oh, classic soap opera situation where it's sort of like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, no, she, I left in 2015 and came back at the start of 2020. I just did a little peekaboo hello. And then that was right actually around the time that COVID was kicking off. And I was like, oh, I gotta get out of here. Um, <laughs> but she left. What did she do? She left to go to LA to work for basically the equivalent of the of WWF. Yeah. Uh, wrestling. Professional wrestling? Yeah, Are you yeah. Professional wrestling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't become a wrestler, but she went to work for them, I think. Uh, in some sort of capacity which i was informed is an amazing way to leave a soap because quite often you get like killed but (laughs) you know also i was informed that you can never really die on a soap opera because you can always come back you can come back as an apparition you can come back as a twin you can come back with amnesia but anyway as professional wrestling didn't work out (laughs) do you want to hear a crazy story about like getting maybe this sounds a little bit like blowing my own horn but also in a very sad way because nothing panned out but i um, (laughs) am what a setup i left the show that way also was like very heavily pregnant which i was public about but on the show the character was not pregnant so i was often Mm. hiding it with strategically placed pot plants and the like (laughs) but so she left the show to go and do wwf or thereabouts and then fast forward i think when my daughter was about six months old we went up to our la to try and hustle some work and 
I had had a near hit like a year before, right at the, at the start of my pregnancy when nobody knew I was pregnant, on an American pilot written by Genji Cohen. She writes, Orange is the New Black, amongst other things. Mm. And I couldn't do it because neighbors wouldn't let me out of my contract. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. It's fine. No resentment. Oh. Uh. <laughs> but <laughs> then I went up to la and i contacted that casting agent said look i'm in la at the moment um if you're around i'd love to meet you in person and she said well actually i'm in new york but can i set you up with a meeting with genji cohen then if anything was like right for you she would have met you and it's fine and i was like oh my god okay okay sure 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 be cool be cool be cool <laughs> and so i went in for a meeting with her and her producer and then they were like so we are working on this tv series about a group of female wrestlers called glow and mm. i was I was like what and so we had this really nice chat and i went home like oh my god oh my god it would be so perfect if i left neighbors to go for work for a <laughs> if i went to, to wwf and then i just got on a show called glow with Genji cohen anyway nothing came of that so don't worry there's the <laughs> end of the shit but you know there was a moment of possible synchronicity that was just mwah, chef's kiss well so neighbors filmed in australia right yes I assume you live there while, like, does, how often do New Zealanders and Australians travel to and from the islands to make films, would you say? I think it doesn't happen as much as I feel like it could and should. But we lived in Australia for eight years. We lived in Sydney for three years. And then when I got neighbors, we moved to Melbourne and ended up staying there for five years. We had both of our babies there. And then we moved back to New Zealand just for some more family support. Like I said before, it takes a village. <laughs> um, and we moved back at the end of 2019, which was sort of uh, a fortuitous moment to move. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then I went back at the beginning of 2020 for three weeks on Neighbours. And it was over that time that we were like, hmm, there's this virus going around. Oh, shit. <laughs> Is that when you guys when started working on Inside? Yeah. And then came back from that. Yeah. And um, we actually, the house that we shot Inside in is our house. And we moved into it on the first day of that lockdown. And then I think we did like three weeks where, or two weeks maybe, of Pete in the other room on Zoom with the other writers like creating the idea and me keeping two kids out of that room which was really hard <laughs> and then they put it in for the funding and then i remember us both sitting on the couch going holy shit if we get this money how are we going to make it we're going to have to film at night when there's no when the kids are asleep <laughs> Anyway, we were able to film. The alert levels came down a bit by the time we shot. But. I feel like I'm going backwards with this question, but I'm intrigued. You apply for funding to the government for your film, and then like it's like kind of like getting a grant? Like Yes, exactly. And, yeah, yeah. There's a film commission, the New Zealand Film Commission, mm -hmm. which um, funds... Yeah, that's what their job is. Like when you apply for funding, just in case any of our listeners are like, I'm a filmmaker and this, I want to rock this. <laughs> do yeah, you, right. What's the application process like? Like, do you have to explain what your film is about? Like, or what audience you're trying to reach or how does that work? Oh yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty intense, especially for a feature film. Mm -hmm. Is I'm just learning about it now because we're hoping to put in for funding in the next month or so. But you need to obviously have a script 
this is for production funding. You can mm-hmm. apply for development funding, but for production funding, obviously there's got to be a script that is 97% ready to go. There's got to be New Zealand and international distributors and sales agents signed up or interested and possibly a little percentage of your own private equity from coming from somewhere. Yeah, there's heaps. There's heaps. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, big, it's big for a measly $1.2 million or something like that. A lot, of, yeah. It's like, oh, fuck, I can now give it, give it, just give it. <laughs> I promise, I promise I'll make something. It might be shitty, but just, oh, please. Yeah. Are you putting, so are you putting up any collateral or whatnot? Like, if the film doesn't do well or? No, so that's good. Like, I, yeah. I can see why they do it. Like, they've got a little amount of money that is public money and it needs to be shared around and they need to make sure that everybody who wants it is gonna make something of substance and even better if it is not complete shit <laughs> so, yeah. yeah up here we have to like beg borrow and steal from family friends and the mafia right, to, totally like, and like ch- just chat up millionaires and be like Hey, you get to talk about it at parties, right? Like you get to be an EP. You want to be EP? Yeah. <laughs> promise you ten percent. I promise you ten percent. Oh my god, totally! It's such a weird, uh, yeah. So I'm sure there's pros and cons to each situation. You have to really, really hone your idea. You have to have it really cemented, and you have to be able to communicate it to get the funding. But I guess you do when you're big borrowing and stealing. What about somebody uh, that just robs banks to make feature films? (laughs) It's like point break, but with filmmakers. (laughs) That would be a funny ass fucking movie. I would watch that. (laughs) You'd watch that. Yeah, totally. Good. Couple of independent filmmakers that just go on a a bank robbery spree and then go off to make the movie. Well, they should film themselves robbing the banks and they're raising money for distribution. That's how. (laughs) That's great. And nobody can really tell if it's real life or not. They're like, God, amazing. You can have that. I think you thought of it though. So, <laughs> hey, look, whoever writes it first gets it. As far as I'm concerned, go for it. I know Lee is chomping at the bit to talk about Housebound, but real quick, yeah, I just yeah. want to throw out there that uh, Wentworth is probably one of my favorite shows of all wow. time. Like, it's definitely in the top five. I'd even binge the whole show because I wanted it to last for as long as possible. And then wow. I see that. I mean, you, I saw you, I, you know, before this ever became a thing that we were going to talk, like, I was like, Oh my gosh, I saw her on Wentworth. Um, <laughs> it seems like there was such bonding, at least oh, in like the end, so cre- cool. like the series end credits was, I loved how they did it where, you know, it's such a serious show, but in the end they're like, no, look, we all got along very well. <laughs> what was it like on set? It's a really great atmosphere. Because, yeah, predominantly women. And so the green room chats, like, so deep, so great, (laughs) so filthy. (laughs) Um, And so that is awesome. I really loved that. But then also there's this other added element of, like, a lot of the extras like have genuinely spent time in prison (laughs) so like it's quite i wasn't i didn't feel afraid or anything but it is like quite (laughs) okay wow and then i remember this one woman coming out real big she was like oh you crack up you remind me of this bird that i was actually in prison with yeah and i was like that there is no bigger compliment that is (laughs) you're like yeah i'm pretty hard yeah i'm a fucking crazy bitch Whoa. Did you get that uh, gig before or after you met the writer from Orange is the New 
black. Oh, yeah. That was after. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, after. After. I'm starting to realize now, isn't it? You just have these like near hits that just sort of fizzle out. And you think that mm. there's a clear line to stardom, but it's all a fucking illusion. Oh, listen. <laughs> Do you want to talk at all about stories about my body? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm just about to take it to Melbourne to the comedy festival. She says fucking comedy festival. I've, I've put it into the comedy festival because there's funny bits in it, but it's also like quite intense. <laughs> so I'm just, last night I felt like I spent half the night awake going, what the fuck am I doing? What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> it so seems like it, it yeah. came directly from your, your heart and your experiences, you know, with body image. And I think yeah. everybody struggles yeah. to with that at, to some degree. Yeah, so that's been a really nice space to talk about that. It, essentially, I made the show that I wanted to see. And also, I made a show that makes you feel something. I'd been seeing a lot of theatre and I, I, I love theatre and a lot of the stuff I was like, yeah, that's great. I really enjoyed that. But that was like the extent of my feeling toward it. I was like, I want something that moves me. Even if it just made me annoyed, I'd buy that. So the show is full of laughs and full of heart. But I also talk about my birth stories. And baby, I show my birth video. So you see some... So it's bold. And I hope people like it. <laughs> You do have a lot of theater experience, though, too, from, yeah, from what I can, my, can glean. Yeah, that's my home. Yeah, definitely. That's where my heart is. So it's be really nice to be back up on stage, especially after the pandemic. It almost sounds, too, a little bit like sort of like a self-contained one-hour comedy. I mean, I know you said that it's not all comedy, that there are jokes in there, but God damn it, I'm blanking on the comedian's name who is a sleepwalker. And he oh, Mike Birbiglio? Birbiglio, there you go. Yes. There you go. Thank you very much. It feels like I really fucking want to see it get filmed because I'm interested. Oh, awesome. I think we'll definitely be filming it. I'd like to make a really nice um, screen version of it. I feel as well, like I was sort of consoling myself this morning, I feel like it's kind of in that realm of Hannah Gadsby's Nanette, which it's not stand-up. This show is not stand-up. It's storytelling, but it goes to some deep, dark places at wow. the same time as being able to offer some laughs. That's so vulnerable, too, that you're doing that completely alone on stage, too. Oh, my God, I know. Like, what the fuck? I, <laughs> I just recently went to Australia for some work, came back, and on the plane, I watched A Hundred Foot Wave, which is about Garrett McNamara surfing the those giant monster waves in Nazaré in Portugal. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. That's so – that is such a, an extreme thing to do. And then – but I, I think something like this is kind of my version of that. I quite enjoy putting myself, for some reason, through intensely <laughs> stressfully weird <laughs> situations. Like, yeah, I don't know, but I'm looking forward to it. It's an, it's an empowering feeling, but it is insane when you just stand up. It's like those giant waves. It's like, that's what I do. I go and surf those and it's totally fucked up, but I love it. Such a dopamine hit when like your first audience reaction when it comes to theater. The first time you get a clap or an applause or a laugh or anything like that you're like it's home like you're suddenly yes. like yes now hear this if you've never seen housebound be forewarned the conversation is about to tread into spoilery territory from here on out so if you don't like the sound of that 
you may still be able to find Housebound streaming for free on Tubi. Not only is it a great movie, it's a great mystery. And one of those movies I wish I could wipe from my memory so I could enjoy it again for the first time. And as someone who had the movie spoiled by Lee, I could completely agree with the sentiment. (laughs) And Lee didn't even spoil the movie for me. He hinted to me that the movie was like another movie. And so I waited for that movie's twist in this movie and got it. And yeah, this isn't even a spoiler warning. This is a restricted audience warning. Nobody who hasn't seen Housebound can continue this episode. Go watch it on Tubi. Come back to us. So if you're even remotely intrigued, do yourself a favor, watch it, then return to our conversation with Morgana O'Reilly. Here we go. Your client has been through a number of these treatment programs in the past, and the results have been less than spectacular. Miss Bracknell is in need of stability. I'm therefore ordering an urgent report into the suitability of a mother's house for a sentence of eight months home detention. Gosh, that's high tech, isn't it? Aren't you lucky, Kylie, having all that fancy technology on your foot? Nice being back home. Some things have happened since I've been here. Things I can't explain. There was a ghost in this house, Kylie. What are you going to do against a hostile spirit? I'm going to smash it in the face. When you put an overactive mind in an inactive environment, there's bound to be complications. I don't need a counselling session. I just need to get out of this house. Oh, no. They've been doing this all week. Hold on. the spirit that lives in this house. What is your business here? So, are you happy to proceed with the story that Mr. McRandall was attacked by a vengeful ghost? Yes. Righto. All right, let's do Housebound. We gotta. I want to. Come on. How would you describe Kylie? She is tough and impatient and (laughs) angry, real angry and strong. And somewhere deep down in her core is a a sad little girl. (laughs) Well, not a sad little girl, just a little girl. Just there is a, there is a um, softness and a a warmth deep down there, but shit, she's, she tough. (laughs) I I agree. There is this, I mean, I think genre films need more characters like Kylie. These characters that feel like real people. And those are the ones that, those are the the horror or the comedy that I really spark to. I think a big part of why I love this movie so much is I'm able to very easily relate to Kylie. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it makes her story arc really special to me. And I think that's thanks to the script and definitely to your performance. Did you feel that same kind of kinship to her? I mean, I feel like my relationship was, with her was not so much circumstantial. There is the, that darkness of her, that that stroppy fire is definitely in me. I think if you talk to most people who know me, they will say I'm really nice. I'm really nice, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But I also know that maybe in different circumstances, if I'd had a more frustrating life, I had a great childhood and everything like that. If I didn't, I know that 
there is a possibility in my character that I could be like her. So when I was filming, I was pretty angry. Quite often had to remind myself to not <laughs> maybe say something or do something to somebody because it just I was just holding her fire in me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole cast is fucking terrific. I think it's everybody. So good, eh? So good. It's wonderful and funny and the list of standout performances just could go on and on. But, you know, Kylie is the focus and the audience has to sympathize her, which is, you know, as we've kind of already hinted at, it's a bit of a tough sell because she's yeah. pretty abrasive. You know, she's the engine that drives the whole mystery. She's the character we want to see. We want to see that, you know, that unresolved anger get fixed, but it puts a big fat fucking spotlight on you mm. to play that role. Did that feel, did you feel like a weight to carry that at all? Did it worry you? No, I mean, I don't know how much you know about the making of the film, but it was a really long process. I think we shot for about two years on and off. We tried to shoot it in wow. four weeks first up. Did not even, I, maybe half we got through because I think, I don't know the reasons exactly. Oh, it was sort of figuring oh, okay. itself out. Also, sometimes maybe one can be tricked into thinking that something set in one house will be easier to shoot but all those big action sequences any sequence which goes fast usually takes a really long time to shoot because you have to shoot all the tiny little components gerard the filmmaker bless him is a total perfectionist and we would do 20 takes which wow. i really enjoy to be honest but i've never seen a boom operator so exhausted um <laughs> So there wasn't time to kind of think about that. Also, in terms of where I was at, especially then with my career, and even still now, like there's a really small handful of actors who get to really choose the jobs they do and deliberate carefully over what they want to choose. You, The rest of us, you get a job and you're like, great, I'll do the job because I need a job. <laughs> so <laughs> I quite often get asked, like, why did you choose to do that role? I was like, because they told me they were gave, gave it to me. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you, do it. <laughs> do anything. That's, I mean, when we're young, we, we tend to open arm these things and not exactly. really think about. So I, I, I really enjoyed playing that character. And then it was probably like, I, I think we were probably about two thirds through filming, which and it was it was a challenging shoot, guys. I'm not gonna lie, it was really hard. The budget was so low, so some days there's no nothing to keep you warm when you're shooting in fucking sleet. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> you out by the end of shoot, all of our co like my costumes were literally just in a black plastic rubbish bag covered in f fake blood, like that they hadn't been washed in two years because we couldn't afford a costume <laughs> person. It was real. It was real guys as well <laughs> but i remember yeah probably about two thirds of the way through shooting and then gerard was starting to show us like edits of what he w had been putting together and i was gonna like, ask you that oh shit yeah like, this is a good film oh yeah i mean it's the budget may have been low but it, everything is on yeah. screen well mm. without gushing without gushing too much um Gushing you managed to be very <laughs> managed to be very endearing and you know there's a, a couple of really heartfelt scenes in in this movie that sneak up on you um the tap dance scene um obviously i don't want to spoil anything but the you know when we start to learn a little bit about how kylie first left her parents house i, I gotta say this because my wife and my brother and i just everybody i, I try to show housebound to i i try to <laughs> i try to bust out the do they and <laughs> And uh, my wife and I still, every time, if something we don't want to do something, we'll go, nah. <laughs> 
And <laughs> yeah, my wife wanted me to let you know too that she just absolutely loves your facial expressions in in that film. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> Where do you land on ghosts? Because this is a big part of this movie. And uh, where do you land? Are you a believer? Are you a skeptic? Are you somewhere in between? I fucking love ghost stories. They're my favorite. Like, seriously, I'm all over any podcast that will tell me ghost stories. I, yeah, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to say I'm a believer. You ever seen I anything? I just love those stories. No, I no. have had, no, but anyone, usually when I work with people, I'm like, got any ghost stories? Tell me what you've seen. <laughs> I just love them. I love it. Anything to do with that stuff, I'm pretty into. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that like, Carly is a person who is in a ghost story but her first response to the ghost is fuck you like like angry about it I feel like I love ghost stories Morgana loves ghost stories but you know in the middle of the night walking to the toilet I'm like no 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 I don't want to no 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 I don't want to see anything oh yeah yeah that's her that was hereditary so enjoy that if you ever get around oh, to it. okay great 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 <laughs> holy shit yeah um, you should watch that tonight yeah good oh yeah enjoy um, oh, wow that sound that just came out of you was so guttural it, it, well it's yeah it's, it's it's I don't think I'll ever watch it again oh my god yeah, it sticks with you I mean I don't want to I don't want to church it up too much but yeah i mean like you'll you'll make what you make of it okay i was at that uh, after the witch have you seen the witch i have that was the one that stuck with me mm. what's the like the taste of butter a pretty dress what's the like to live deliciously yes so I think Housebound has all the makings of a cult hit, especially I think with kind of the same people that um, really like Edgar Wright's work or maybe evil deadheads out there. It kind of mm. it vibes with those movies. Really anybody that likes horror and comedy mixed together. How do you characterize the audience reactions that you saw for Housebound? Did you see any major differences between the way New Zealanders received the film versus other countries? I don't think so. I think that film has got such a beautiful pace and it does that wonderful thing where it leads you into suspense and then it either undercuts it with a joke or it gives you a fright and then a joke. It's really great. I, that's why I often say it's a great first date film because you can like hold on to the person with you. And then laugh. I think it's a. I think it's a family film too. Quite honestly, I would make an, right. a big fat, big fat argument that it's a family film, a dysfunctional family film, but a family film. That's um, great. I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, often, it really does end up being that's that's Kylie's journey. She's got to she's got to make amends ultimately with her mom. Yeah, totally. I quite often want to watch Housebound. Like that's the kind of film that I feel like. You know, like it moves you. I was just talking before. Like I like to be able to be moved. Horror films, even though like horror as a genre is not totally my bag, but what I really appreciate about, appreciate about people that are really into horror is it makes you feel something like deep in yourself, just as the same way like a super soppy romance or something that makes you cry would do the same thing in another way. But Housebound 
gives you kind of a really lovely um, range of feelings. So I quite often, that's the kind of film I want to watch, except that it's just got full of me in it, which is not what I want to watch. But <laughs> glad everyone else can. <laughs> you don't like revisiting your, your own stuff? I Every now and then, that's totally fine. But I feel like if I was with friends, I'm like, hey, guys, you want to watch us? It's <laughs> 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 sort of maybe a little strange. Well, I, I, I wouldn't. I'd be like, let's watch this thing I'm really proud of that I did. <laughs> yeah, they're like, Morgana, we watched it two weeks ago. With yeah, you. we've already watched but this. You let's do it again. It I know, but it's just such a fun, fun film, don't you think? <laughs> um, what, do you think what do you think became of Kylie after the events in the film? I mean, I don't know. You're probably a better authority on it than me. What do you think happened to her? Ooh, turning it around. I'd like Ooh. to think. I'd like to think based on the final scene and without maybe spoiling too much, I'd like to think that they all lived happily ever after in that house. And maybe, um, maybe Kylie began working with Amos. Um, yeah. And they became like a team. I'd watch that movie too. Yeah. I feel or like the she could 10 episode Netflix series. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Like I ghost hunters with money. Kylie and Amos. Yes. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. That'd be awesome. Can you make that? Yeah. yeah. I'll get on it. I'll get on it. Exactly. There was a, a little scuttlebutt a few years back that new line cinema was going to remake it American style. Do you have any thoughts mm. on that one? I remember that. Um, I hate to admit that I felt really territorial. About Whoa, I don't. I felt territorial about it, and I wasn't involved in the making of it at all. I know. I was yeah, like, "Why right? do we need it? We don't need it. Don't need it." I yeah, and I guess they've came to that conclusion, which is good. Yeah, because sounds like it. Yeah, like if it ain't broke, man, like why? It's not even in a different language. Like just it's there. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah, I share that. I share that. They didn't need it. Okay, great. So we could fly right through. I'm just the nerd of the show. Excuse me if I just nerd out to educate the masses on New Zealand. And, and please correct me if anything is wrong. Before we get into that, I just want to test Lee on something. New Zealand is east or west of Australia? New Zealand is definitely east of Australia. I have a world map um, shower curtain. <laughs> <laughs> Or you I have spend the a internet lot of time right studying. in front of you? Oh, yeah. No, no I have that too. <laughs> <laughs> but Auckland, even though it's the largest city in New Zealand, it's not the capital. The capital of New Zealand is... Wellington. There you go. Uh, (laughs) Some fun facts about New Zealand. It is the last large landmass to be populated by humans around the turn of the 13th century. It consists of two large landmasses, which we already went over, but about or over 700 little islands. New Zealand is the top part of a submerged continent called Zealandia. The distance between it and Australia is the same as Ohio and Texas. I know, Lee, you thought it was New York City and LA. I don't, it's 1,200 miles, which I used to have a long distance relationship in Dallas, Texas, and I was 1,200 miles from her. So that's why I picked Ohio and Texas. Not for nothing, New Zealanders have been making films for over 120 years. But I think with the rest of the world and the advent of independent filmmaking, the last 30 or 40 years has seen a real boom. But I always talk about like the potential in things. I live in Cleveland, Ohio, which I don't know if you've even heard of it in New Zealand, yeah. but like around America, it's everybody just makes fun of it like a, a shit. <laughs> but I love it because very bad rap. Oh my god! Well, our river caught on fire like 50 years ago, and nobody Your will river? let us. 
You raised that cord on fire. Yeah, it was so so polluted that it oh it, it did catch fire. I mean, yes, <laughs> that happened. But because of the river catching on fire, we created the uh, Environmental Protection Agency, which you know, obviously doing a bang up job with the world and climate change. But this could be my worst flaw, believing in the potential of things. But I fall in love with it more so than any physical or actual qualities. With this in mind, what would you love to see happen for the New Zealand film industry? Oh, great. Well, I think you're making a lovely metaphor about, you know, from adversity and the restrictions that are before you, you can rise out of it with something really special. And I think the New Zealand film industry has done and hopefully can continue to do a similar thing. We're a small country and we're unsure of our own ability. We often question that there's this really annoying thing where if especially America or somewhere overseas likes our art, then all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, it is quite good, but (laughs) we can be pretty harsh on ourselves. I would love to see the New Zealand film industry really stand up for itself more and more and just make more, not trying too hard to make the next Housebound or Hunt for the World of People or something. Just keep diversifying its voice and just keep talking because the idea of making films or being on stage kind of goes against our internal narrative of not making too much noise. It's called tall, we refer to it as the tall poppy syndrome down here. We don't like people who show off. Mm-hmm. And I think we should be just making more and more and more and more and more. It's and, like the opposite of us. <laughs> well, look, I think everyone just, you know, like you can't tell people not to make art. You can implore audiences, encourage them to diversify their tastes. Yeah, I think also I want to add down here that the New Zealand industry, film industry should not be confused with the American film industry that shoots down here. Because sometimes people are like, the industry is booming down here. And it's like, well, yeah, there's lots of people who have come down here to work, to film here and use crew and things like that, which is great. But that's not our story that mm. is being told. So don't get it twisted. On that note, what is your, what would you say is your favorite New Zealand film? God, just this kind of question is very hard, no matter what, like... <laughs> <laughs> or like mixed like top three things to recommend for the americans um wow there's this film called housebound which is really good. <laughs> <laughs> i love eagle versus shark i think that's one of my favorite new zealand films <laughs> ruby and rata is a beautiful new zealand film fucking once were warriors is an amazing film it's really mm. hard hitting but it's classic for a, a reason i genuinely love the whale rider yeah what happened probably, to that girl? she's still around she's in new york she's doing new york ncis new york i do believe um, keisha has just yes. had a baby that's on her instagram so i think i'm allowed to say that yeah she's cool she done good so the last thing I have oh, is the that piano. there's... Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, theater or film, either or, is there a dream role of yours? Ooh. A dream project? Look, I've got my aunt, Lady Macbeth. I really look forward to playing that role mm-hmm. at some point, whether that's on stage or screen, I don't know. Um, uh, maybe 10 years off from that role. And yeah, apart from that, no, I'd like to keep trying to define what it means to me to be an artist between both of those mediums. Yeah, that's all. You're already on record saying 
that horror isn't your cup of tea, and I get that. So what are a few of your favorite film genres? Look, don't get me wrong. Like, I love horror every now and then. But I know from doing Housebound, like, there's a lot of horror buffs that engage with me, and that's awesome. So I can't say that I'm a horror buff, that's all. Um, my favorite genres are really eclectic, I reckon. And if it's got heart in some way, like if it's trying to talk about something bigger than itself, if it has one foot in a weird puddle, I'm really into that. Anything slightly off-center, I really love. Yeah. Well, why is it do you think that the Academy Awards so rarely rewards genre films like horror or comedy or science fiction? I'm thinking when Return of the King swept the Oscars, it was a rarity because it was this fantasy movie. I mean, Jackson even says like, you know, thanks for seeing past all the wizards and the goblins and shit. Why do you think it's kind of always just the same sort of important dramas that always get in, end up getting the Academy Awards and never never the housebounds or the, the nice guys or, you know, God forbid, Blade Runner? I don't know. Isn't there, there's a whole political undertone, right? With Oscars that I don't know enough about. You know, you have to submit your shit that costs a lot of money and things like that. So there's that. But then also like trying to quantify art, that's hard. And I can see why, like, as it happens across the board, even something like Mean Mums, where like, I think the craftsmanship that goes into making a show like that is so high but because it has a light frivolous energy it emits the idea that it hasn't had the same gravitas of artistic weight that's been put into like a drama so i think it's the way that which is bullshit it's bullshit but it's the way that we perceive it when we've been asked to quantify it right So maybe something that is fantastical or genre or comedy, maybe we deem them to be of less gravitas because they're just not as serious. Is it maybe straight up is that just that? Like the more serious it is, then the more surely the more heart's gone into it, which is not Or true. maybe it's maybe it's the directness that movies like Nomad, you know, there mm. a lot of the same things that we can, you know, you were you were just saying it. I think horror and comedy and sci-fi and all these other genre films definitely have things to say. They're just not quite always as direct that you have to dig a mm. little bit. Maybe just people don't like digging. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> or they feel that there's a vulnerability in laughter or leaning into a fantasy world that feels not as worthy as just sitting and having a, a big sad cry about. It's true. Which is, it's lame. These, But that's why, look, I'm not against an award season for art, but it's still strange. There's a whole illusion well, around the industry of competition, which does not make any sense. We've put that on it and it's not real. <laughs> right. We may have a show about the Oscars, but we shit on them quite frequently. Right. <laughs> the, the Poly Academy, as I call it. Ah, yeah. good one. <laughs> uh, thank you, because Lee hates it. <laughs> I, it doesn't, I hate it. <laughs> it's just, um, well, it just doesn't sit right with you. Fair enough. In the spirit of our little show, and if you're feeling bold enough, like we say, we 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 rewrite the Oscars, we rewrite who got the awards versus who should have gotten them. Um, Is there an award? If you don't want to be negative, you could give an Oscar to anybody out there, or you could take an Oscar away. Up to you. (laughs) If I could do that. Um, I would totally give an Oscar to Housebound. I think that you're right. The film is a cult hit. 
and that's like really cool. It's cool, but also um, I can't help but sometimes wish that it had the same had been given the same round of applause from a wider group. I think it really deserves it. All right. Last question, just for a cool down. I have very special loyalty to Housebound. Like, you know, it was on Netflix for everybody to see, but I feel like I single-handedly discovered it, you know? And I have, I'm like, oh, oh my God, you have to see this movie. And everybody that asks, you know, do you have a movie that, oh yeah, Housebound. Housebound is one of two that I always recommend. Do you have any movies or shows or even musical artists like that, that you feel a loyalty to that you you're like, you have to check this out under pain of death right now. <laughs> I think probably actually it's really not in the same genre as housebound, but the thing that I'm pushing on people currently is pen 15. Oh, <laughs> nice. I'm like, just watch it. Watch it. <laughs> and only once you've watched it, that we can talk again. People suggest that one to me all the time. So now I have to. No. No, I suck at watching TV. It's such a commitment. Oh, yeah. Well, what I love about the new style of TV is that maybe there's one, two series, you know, that's all. You don't have to watch fucking how many episodes of Neighbors that you now have to go watch because. (laughs) 9,199. Like, <laughs> yeah, I right. love limited series are amazing. Pen fifteen, two seasons, and amazing. Oh. Okay, Fleabag. I, oh, come on. If, yeah. Oh, that was ah. just gonna say Fleabag. That is one that another friend recommended, which I actually started. So fuck you. You haven't watched Fleabag? Get out. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm in the middle of it. Great. That's great. All right. <laughs> okay. God damn, Morgana, thank you so much for coming in um, and, and chatting with us. And it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, it was much. really fun. It was great. Um, you guys did your homework. Wow. <laughs> Spro and I want to thank Morgana O'Reilly one more time and remind you all that Housebound is streaming now for free on Tubi. Mean Mums, you can see on Amazon Prime and look out around New Zealand and Australia for her one woman show, Stories About My Body. Okay, well, I'm Lee. I'm Spro. And we hope to see you sitting front row when the envelopes are red. We rolled on down the road. We'd been driving for hours. The summer air flowed through the windows unwound. was on It was playing Neil Diamond Then a late night queen show Then nothing at all 